You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So as I'm sure you figured out, yesterday was not Wednesday. Yesterday was Tuesday, meaning the supplemental draft was not yesterday. It is today. You know, this podcasting thing isn't necessarily for everybody, but uh, I'm going to do it anyways. But that's all right. You needed the information anyways, and uh, you got it. And if you haven't listened to yesterday's podcast, then this will work out just perfectly for you. Just make sure you do that, because it's all about the supplemental draft. Since then, however, it turns out there's a little bit more information, and um, not only are the Packers the team that are probably the most interested via Tony Pauline, uh, not only were they scheduled to have a meeting with him, they actually flew him out to Green Bay and worked him out and uh, did the whole um, physical and uh, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, pending any negative things that they found, there's no question they're going to be um, putting in an offer. The question is which round. Um, it, it You know, last week at around this time, it was said that he's a possible second round guy. And if you wanted to steal him, you know, maybe one of the, you know, later first round guys, you know, like the Patriots, not that they were interested, they are. Somebody anticipating the draft, maybe you you use a first-round pick on them. That was sort of where the hype was at at one point. I kind of see the third round like we saw the first round before. That is to say, I think, um, although some teams wouldn't be willing to expend anything more than a fifth, I think there's enough hype that you need to at least put a fourth-round bid on them and I think if a team like the Packers really, 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 really liked him and wanted to steal him, they're going to possibly put a third-round pick on him. I don't know if anybody's going to do that or not. That's just sort of the vibe I guess I'm getting. That's not me evaluating his talent. That's just sort of the vibe as far as, you know, just listening and trying to, you know, read the tea leaves and whatnot. But we'll see. I've, I've had a few people ask um, my thoughts in general, which I pretty much said yesterday, but... Um, I'll reiterate that I'm always down for more talent. We do need more depth at safety. We do need help in the slot. I don't know exactly how much he's going to be able to contribute. Um, we, I, I've shown the, the... Actually, I forgot a couple things. So we might as well just do it again. Now, I, I shouldn't. We're not doing it again. Don't worry. But since we're talking about it, let me bring it up. Outside of the PFF stats that I was able to dig up on Twitter, which I talked about sometime la- last week when I um, first talked about him, Something like lowest passer rating uh, from the slot in his conference or something to that effect. I was able to dig up a couple extra articles, and these are a little bit more deep divey. You know, PFF was tracking best, highest graded players through the week or whatever. But I found an article that is PFF NCAA Week 3 Team of the Week. So this is throughout all of college football, Team of the Week. The top two, the top two corners in all of college football last year in week three, they had DeAndre Baker out of Georgia, obviously very highly touted player, 91.5 overall grade. Jalen Thompson was the highest graded corner in all of college football in week three, 
92.1 overall grade. Here's what they had to say. Thompson makes his makes this list by means of his prowess in coverage on the afternoon despite missing two tackles against Texas State. On five targeted passes, Thompson did not allow a single reception, brought home two interceptions, and an additional pass breakup for a 0.0 passer rating when targeted. But there's more. There's another um, article from 2018, College Football's Best at Everything. So this is essentially going through and looking at one specific thing in football and saying who's the best at this specific thing. And on the the out route, which is best defensive back by route, the out route, it's Jalen Thompson. Their little blurb says, showing great instincts for the football, Thompson was targeted 11 times on out routes, came away with three interceptions this season. He forced another incompletion on the route and limited quarterbacks to just a 47.7 passer rating on such throws. To put that into perspective, a quarterback gets a 39.6 passer rating just by spiking the ball in the dirt every play. So, I mean, he, he's, look, he's up there. As far as, as top players, top cornerbacks, top defensive backs in college football last year, um, Jalen Thompson's name comes up. You know, he's up there with the DeAndre Bakers. You know, the, you look at names of, you know, the screen pass was Bryce Hall. That's a, that's a well-known name. So, you know, again, am I saying that he is a first-round draft pick? No. But what I am saying is he's, a, he's legit best defensive player on his team, and he's got some serious potential. So yeah, I'm down for uh, for adding more talent. Just a matter of getting him for a good value. And he's going to fit. I mean, as far as needs go, again, depth at safety um, and cornerback help, which I know a lot of people don't necessarily agree with. But I think especially with his particular skill set, you know, more of a slot type guy, kind of a Jair type guy, I guess, but more safety slot type guy, I guess. But we'll see. We'll find out today, I think, unless it's Tuesday again. I don't know. I I don't know what's going on. Not exactly sure how this calendar thing works. But anyways, um, once, once, as always, again, however I feel like phrasing things, once again, any questions, text or call my Google Voice number 608-501-0718. Check the link in the description to be able to join the Facebook group and do a bunch of other fun stuff. Otherwise, let's, uh, let's take our break. We'll be right back with a few of those questions. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. 
That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So we're going to start off with Kyler from Wyoming. He's got a couple different questions. The first one is, I think I've made an enormous mistake. I drafted Danny Vitale to my fantasy team. Was that a boneheaded move on my part, or do you think it could benefit me and my team in any way? I really hope this isn't because of my podcast where I talked up Danny Vitale. Um, And essentially, it was a similar podcast to the one I did a couple days ago where I hyped up Devontae Adams and said, maybe this could actually happen. As far as was it boneheaded, I think the answer in every possible way is going to be probably yeah. Even if I'm correct, or I, I shouldn't even say correct because I wasn't necessarily predicting it. It was just sort of a maybe he'll have this kind of a role. I don't think it's going to be so central a role that he's going to generate enough yards, enough touchdowns to make him a viable fantasy option. Even if he meets and even slightly exceeds my wildest expectations. I could be wrong. Maybe maybe um, Matt LaFleur has some serious plans for him. It's possible. But um, I, I think... You know, Devontae Adams is, is going to be the number one option. After that, you know, you, you got to look at guys like Aaron Jones, Marquez, Geronimo, obviously Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the tight ends, I, I you know, I, I don't know if, how many of these guys I actually want to touch because I, I don't know who's going to stand out and who's not. And even if you told me who the top tight end was, I don't know if I necessarily want to take him just because I'm still nervous. I, I probably do because Matt LaFleur really likes to highlight tight ends. So if you told me this guy's going to be number one, I'd probably take him. But it, the, even at that point, if you said, okay, Jace is, is going to be the guy, it's like, oh, sweet. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, take a flyer on him in fantasy. I don't know that I don't take the number two tight end before I take Danny Vitale in fantasy. Again, I, I don't know. And if you're in like a 16-team league with a deep bench, okay, but I'm assuming Equinemius was gone. I don't, but look, it, I mean, it's fantasy football, and here my general thought on this is don't draft or not draft people because other people told you to. Just do what you think you want to do. I, it's much more fun to think through things and say what you think is correct. I mean, it's the entire reason I have a podcast. I like to give my opinion on stuff. So when it comes to fantasy, I like having an opinion and standing by my opinion, even if it's the wrong opinion, right? Everybody in the fantasy world says, this guy's not going to be any good, don't touch him. And I'm looking at it going, well, that doesn't make any sense because he's on this team and he's got this quarterback and, you know, their offensive line is healthy and blah, 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 you know, all the rationale that I have. So I'm doing it. I don't care. And I'm going to take him in the third round because I'm scared that, he, you know, I don't care if you say sixth round. I'm scared somebody else is going to take him and I'm going to be mad and I want him. And I think it's a good value. And if he fails, and if it turns out I was wrong, two things. One, who cares? Because I lost on my terms. Number two, though, try to figure out where exactly you went wrong. I remember it was like two to three years ago. I think it was two years ago. Huge hype train on Larry Fitzgerald, and I could not figure out why. Everybody's talking about, you got to draft him, you got to draft him. It's like, dude, Larry Fitzgerald, he, he hasn't been that good in a long time. Why is everybody hyping this guy up? And he blew up. That was a learning experience. Now, what I didn't learn is just listen to the experts no matter what, because that's just no fun. Even if you win, I, I just, I'd rather lose and do it my way than win just, you know, basically auto-drafting, like picking because, oh, well, the, you know, this little computer tells me this is the best guy, so that's what I'm going to go with, which I do use those, but I make my own board. You know, I'll start with what the experts say, but I'm going to tweak it how I want to tweak it. 
sorry, Aaron Rodgers is going higher because he's going to have a great year. Maybe I'm saying that because I'm a homer. Don't care. Putting him higher. Devontae, you don't even know. Actually, I don't think think I'm going to have to put him higher this year. I think everyone's pretty well aware of, uh, I think he's going first round. But that, that's just my thought. But, I mean, that that's one of those things, especially when it's a Packer, it gets to be exciting. I mean, I, just about every year there's that one guy that's a Packer that I feel like I've got a pretty good beat on because it's like, ooh, you know, I, I know about this guy. And, you know, Mike McCarthy, I heard him say a comment, and it makes me think about this guy. And it's like, ooh, I'm going to do it, man. And it very rarely pans out, especially, you know, the Packers just aren't very good with fantasy outside of Aaron Rodgers. Now we have Devontae, but, you know, prior to that, it was we would have three, four wide receivers, so you, you wouldn't really want to touch any of them because the ball gets spread out so much. So you just never really knew for sure. Even though the offense was always just out of this world, it's still, outside of the quarterback, eh, not as good as those other teams. Even, even bad teams like the Bengals taking A.J. Green because he's all they have. But whatever, it's it's still fun to, to try to nail down that one guy. But I think as far as Packers, you got Aaron Rodgers, you got Devontae Adams, and outside of that, it's just kind of a, it's just it's just a matter of value. You know you want to take Aaron Jones, but how high? How much do you want to bet on his upside while risking his injury issues? How high do you want to hedge your bets with Jamal? Right, I'm going to take Aaron real high, but I'm going to follow that up with Jamal higher than I should. Now you got two guys higher than you should. I don't know. It's getting to be about that time. I, I should probably plan something around that. I have not really started the whole fantasy thing. But that would be a fun little thing to, to maybe do for the Facebook group is start looking at some stat predictions for some of the uh, skill players. Another question, and I know most people don't care, but in my particular league, I tweak it so that defense gets more points because I app. That's one of my least favorite things about fantasy football is how, how little points you get for defense. As if Ever in the history of the universe, a running back was more important than a defense. You could have a defense putting up the most historic ever performance in franchise history, and I'd walk away with like 15 points. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. If I had a quarterback with a parallel game to that that defense, as in historic never been done before, I'm walking away with 50, 60 points, depending on scoring. I got... 15 points for my that's ridiculous but anyways would the Packers defense be a viable defense would you put them up in the you know I don't know if it's a 12 person league are they a top 12 defense top 10 where do you take them over who some questions generally for the Facebook group to think about I'll try to remember to uh, post the questions up before I start my investigative journalisming I don't think that's what it would be, but whatever. Sounds cool. Moving on to Kyler's second question. He said, I was thinking, do you think the world kind of forgot about Reggie Gilbert and Kendall Donerson? Because both of those guys had pretty big hype trains last year and somewhat this year, but we haven't heard much hype around them lately. What's your opinion on that subject? My opinion generally is that, um, as as nicely as I can say it, I, I irrelevant is the only word that comes to mind. I love the the profile of Kendall Donerson, his height, weight, athleticism. I, 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 I was excited about him the second I typed his name into Player Profiler, which compares their you know height, weight, athleticism to another NFL player, and his comp was Khalil Mack. However, he's a seventh-round draft pick. 
and that never escaped me. So it was more of a fun little detail than anything else, because he was never going to be Khalil Mack. Now, I think... I don't know. I'm a little bit more interested to see what Kendall Donerson can do. Can he develop into quality depth? And, and by quality depth, I just mean somebody that can come in sometimes and do something. Right? Just not be horrible if he has to be on the field. And that's fine because we have so much depth at this particular point in time. The fact that Kyler is basically number four right now, and I don't mean that to be disrespectful, but, you know, Preston and Zadarius and Gary, uh, unless Gary doesn't pan out, I think are expected to be one, two, and three in no particular order. And the only reason I put Kendall up a little higher is just because he's only had a year. Now, Reggie, on the other hand, it really is just a matter of can we get some of what he does in the preseason to translate because he's one of the biggest preseason contributors or producers in the entire NFL. Not that that matters because there's a lot of guys that for some reason just dominate the preseason. The only thing that that I can think of in terms of guys that do that is similar to guys that dominate college football but cannot quite translate that to the NFL because essentially... Who is Kendall Dodderson beating? He's beating the second, third string guys. So he's he's real good against those guys, but you get him up against first string players, and it's just not there. Now, even that isn't exactly a perfect explanation because the bottom line is some teams have probably as good of second string players as some teams have starters. I can't think of an exact example, but if I had to choose Jason Spriggs or the Texans' right tackle, I'd probably choose Spriggs. But, you know, even if they can take a step, even if Kendall Donerson can be viable and actually make the roster, which isn't guaranteed, and that goes also for Reggie Gilbert, not guaranteed, even if these guys can take a step, the the idea or the, the possibility that they're going to step up enough that we would actually see it, considering the amount of depth, is limited. I think it would be one of those things that Packer fans would know and would see and would talk about, but nobody else would because they're just not on the field enough to actually warrant any sort of hype. I will say, though, if, if even one of them can be a quality contributor, this is going to be a really quality group just because of the, the, the depth and the ability to rotate. And, 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 you know, similar to what I've said about Kyler, where it's, it's actually a, a benefit because Kyler is good in very specific situations. By having Zadarius and Preston and Gary, we're able to just use him when it's most optimal, as opposed to last year where we pretty much had to use him every single time, which means he's out there when it's optimal and he gets a sack, but he's also out there when things are not exactly in his favor and he's getting steamrolled by a left tackle and and run defense. Similarly, um... Our, our brand spanking new and, and very, very talented outside linebacker coach, Mike Smith, is going to be able to evaluate and continue to develop Reggie Gilbert and Kendall Donerson. And if there's anything to get out of them, I think he's going to be able to get it out of them. And Mike Pettin is going to be able to use them situationally. Um, so if you need to give somebody a rest and it's a certain situation that these guys are particularly good at, um, then, yeah, put them in. That's going to be a big benefit as well, is to be able to just just highlight what guys do best and put them in in those situations. Next up, Eric from Toledo sent me a bunch of stuff. I'm not entirely sure how it all goes together, but I'll just take it one step at a time here. 
Um, he, he sent me the, um, it was kind of a big deal for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where a big media person does something and everybody has to spend days reacting to it. And it's one of those things where I just stop listening to podcasts. I mean, not really. I just listen to other stuff. But I just get so bored hearing the same thing over and over. And everybody has to analyze it. But it was the Chris Sims Top 40 Quarterback Rankings. Now, I know I'm supposed to like it because Aaron Rodgers is number one. I just don't care. I mean, that's cool. And I'm, I'm glad he thinks he's number one. I'm not going to disagree. But obviously, everybody's really upset that Tom Brady was ninth. I don't necessarily know if I, I, he, I, I'm more upset about Drew Brees being 10th than I am Tom Brady being 9th, but I definitely think both are silly, especially when you look at Cam Newton being 8th. I, I don't understand that at all. I've never really thought he was that good of a quarterback. I've always seen him as just basically being mediocre, except the legs kind of give him a little bit of a boost, but I, I just, I don't know. Again, I, I just, I don't care. You know, if, if Chris Sims had put Aaron Rodgers at 9th, everybody would be upset. They'd be asking me the same thing, and I'd give the same answer because I don't care. I wouldn't care if he said that. I don't care if he says number one. I mean, it's it's a nice vote of confidence, and I'm sure he put a lot of time into it. Well, he probably put a lot of time into it. I, I You never know. I do listen to his podcast. Um, I didn't actually listen all the way through his little list because I, I, I don't know. I, I got a backlog. I've been listening to music more lately just because it's, I don't know, I'm just, just bored with stuff. But I know some of the, the, some of the media guys are, are it, it's kind of similar to what I've said about coaching, right? It, it's just a matter of, Usually people got to where they are because they work really, really hard and they're really, really good at what they do. But the question is how many guys kind of get into that spot and coast and how many guys continue to grind. And I don't know where Sims falls in that. I I really don't know. I know there's several people that um, get made fun of pretty regularly for saying really boneheaded things. I mean, everybody says crazy. I mean, I, I did a whole podcast about how the supplemental draft was today, yesterday, which it wasn't. It was not yesterday. It's today, right? That's dumb. But it was, you know, one mistake that led to an entire mistake of a podcast. (laughs) Stuff happens. But when you consistently make mistakes and, and, you know, especially when we're talking about prep work, talking about guys like Stephen A. Smith, and, you know, listen, it's hard to do multiple sports, but I don't think, especially when you have an entire staff that can help you do your work, it's that hard to, you know, when, when we prep ahead of time and say, I want, you know, a list of, of five guys to at least check to make sure they even played. I mean, if you even bothered to Google their stats for the season, you'd see, oh, they don't have any because they didn't play. Right, there's the, the guy out in New York, whatever his name is, the guy with the weird stethoscope headphones. I never even knew about this guy or heard of this guy until all these clips of him saying just ridiculous things start coming out. And, I, you know, in a way I feel bad but, you know, some of these guys, they uh, they get to the top and just kind of coast and they just start saying stuff. They don't really know what they're talking about. And they're not putting in that amount of work anymore. And as much as they might know some things, they're not really working very hard to know all the stuff. And, I, again, the whole point of this is I don't know where Sims falls on that list. And I don't care. A guy came up with a list of quarterbacks I don't necessarily agree with. He said Aaron Rodgers is number one. That's cool. I agree on that part. Mahomes is number two. Yeah, maybe. Again, it depends on the criteria. If we're just looking at 2018, then, well, I'm guessing he wasn't just looking at... I, I, see, I don't I don't know what his criteria was. Maybe maybe that's the point. He's probably looking at age, which would explain why Breeze and Brady are so low. And guys like Mitch Trubisky are 20th, which is too high. But if... Well, see, I, whatever. It doesn't matter. Why am I talking about it so long? But anyways, he posted that, and then his question was, 
I feel the opposite about the new coaching regime, as a lot of folks I hear in the media. I'm with Chris Sims in that I believe McCarthy was holding Rodgers in the offense back. I think having LaFleur in charge is going to unleash Rodgers, and Goody realized our not-so-secret of what a legitimate, we'll say awesome defense means for our title aspirations. So again, I don't know what what Sims had to say about the coaching staff, but yeah, I've, I've, I've said essentially the same thing. Um, the, the, the team was worse than it should have been, even if it was coasting, right? Just at a bare minimum, I, as I said, this should have been a nine win team. The dysfunction was beyond belief and Mike McCarthy just, it just came to a uh, screeching halt. So yeah, I agree with all of that. He goes on to say Packers are the best team in the division hands down. I would personally leave out the hands down part, but I, I think the Packers, I think you could argue the Packers on paper, um, are the best team. But again, there, there's a lot of question marks, and depending on what happens, that's going to make the biggest difference. I think the biggest thing is, can LaFleur um, have similar success with the Green Bay Packers that this scheme has had with other players and teams in general? Is that similar amount of success going to translate here to guys like Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Marquez, EQ, Aaron Jones, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? The second thing is going to be the defense in general, and I'm not going to go through it again because I feel like I talk about it every single day. But if those things hit, yeah, I think the Packers are hands down the best team in the division once again. He says Rodgers is better than Trubiscuit. That absolutely is hands down, goes without saying. His next comment, the Bears are going to miss Fangio big time. I agree, and I, th- I actually think that's a big blind spot with Bears fans. And I mentioned that when I did the interview um, with the, the Bear Report. Um, Pearson was his name. But I kind of mentioned that, that you know Bears fans don't seem to talk about it and don't seem to worry about it. I would be petrified. Because as much as I think Nagy's doing a great job um, of, of calling offensive plays and, and doing offensive things, the defense is what's going to make or break this team. Unless Trubisky takes a big step in year three, it's going to rely on the defense and losing Fangio, who built this defense. I mean, th- th- this wasn't um, pace going out and, and getting draft picks and getting Khalil Mack necessarily. This was Fangio. I think Pace got a lot of the credit that Fangio deserved. Obviously, Khalil Mack is going to come in and dominate, and that was a big factor in the defense being as good as it was. But watching everybody on that team get better every single year, Eddie Goldman got better every single year. Akeem Hicks just went through the roof better. Kyle Fuller, it was, it was there was a question of whether or not he was just going to be a bust. He was fantastic last year. Prince of Mukamura, as I've said, best year he's ever had in his very long career. You know, their fourth-round pick safety is now being talked about as the best safety in the NFL. Adrian Amos had unbelievable success. Just about everybody had success, and it was the slow, continual growth of the players in that in that defense and in that scheme. And to have somebody come in... That's sort of an old hat kind of guy. He's he's had you know experience in the past, and he's going to completely change the scheme. I'm really worried about if I'm a Bears fan, what that's going to do to our secondary in particular. Um, but Bears fans seem to be excited. They look at it and they say he wants to be more aggressive. That's awesome. It's going to mean more sacks. Yeah, maybe, but that that doesn't mean better defense. And if you change, especially the, changing the scheme from you know the the zone to a more of a aggressive press man kind of thing. I mean, that, that, that alone can kill you. I mean, you, you might see, and, and I could be wrong, but we might see a complete drop-off. You know, Kyle Fuller's a, a good corner, but Prince of Mukamura is a year older, and, and we're going to see at least a regression back to what he was, I would assume. 
which is mediocre at best. And then, you know, Buster Screen in the slot now is just, he's never been any good. And, you know, if, if things really go downhill because of the change in scheme, I mean, you might see a, a pretty big regression in their safety, who I'm, I'm not saying he's bad, but I think you got to give Vic Fangio and that scheme a lot of credit for, for the success of, of just about everybody, and that includes um, Eddie Jackson. And I'm not saying they're going to be bad. I'm, I'm just saying that I would be really scared because if they regress, I mean, wh- 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 the Bears just made the playoffs and then got eliminated. That was all they did. We're not talking best team in, in NFL history here. But I have said this is one of the best defenses we've seen in probably five years. And that's as far as they got. And now you're, the defense is going to go backward? I'm not even talking about co- complete collapse. I'm just talking about maybe being the fourth best defense. What does that mean now? Are you even going to make the playoffs? I mean, if the Vikings take a step and beat up on the Bears, if the Packers take a step and beat up on the Bears? Because remember... Not only do the Bears have maybe the best defense that we've seen in the last five years or more, but they had an incredible offensive-minded head coach who dragged this offense way farther than it should have, and they were in the NFC North in which the Lions were, were complete garbage, the Packers were complete garbage, and the Vikings completely collapsed. They just beat up on the NFC North when the NFC North was completely down. If the NFC North gets better and the Bears' defense gets worse, I mean, I, I don't know. I Again... I just think it's a massive blind spot, and I'm not, I don't know. I mean, there, there are times when I'm just making fun of the Bears. This isn't one of those times. I'm just, it's, it's almost like, listen, as a friend, you need to start panicking. I just want you to be prepared because, I mean, this, this might hurt, man. Just looking out for y'all's best interest. That's all I'm saying. And, and I, I think I've, I've earned a good enough reputation of being honest. Again, Last year, I was the exact opposite. I was the only one saying, watch out for the Bears. Everybody was saying, oh, okay, well, we got to watch out for week two against the Vikings because they were a really good team last year. We got to watch out for week six or what, you know, I don't know. Everybody just glossed over the Bears game. And I'm sitting here saying, dude, this Bears defense gets better every year. If they take one more step, this is a scary, scary defense. Matt Nagy's pretty good. Trubisky's in his second year. Swing and a miss on that one, but whatever, right? Adding the, the, the talented wide receivers, which, you know, again, I wasn't as impressed with the wide receivers, and I turned out to be right about that. They're not as good as they were hyped up to be. But still, I said that this is this is dangerous, man. This is scary. The Bears are could be legit. And this is after coming off two years in which they basically, the games in which they lost, they were losing by like three points. It was just a matter of they couldn't get over the hump and actually turn these these close games into wins. And if they had, they already stacked up nine, ten wins in a season. So if, if, if I'm looking at this and I felt differently, I would say so. This isn't just me being a homer and beating up the, on the Bears. And again, I'm not even saying the Bears are going to be bad. I'm not saying the Bears defense is going to be bad. I'm just saying if the Bears fans are listening right now, be concerned. More pressure and more sacks isn't, isn't what you were missing. This was a system, and the system worked. I mean, this, this is like if, if the Patriots replaced Bill Belichick with, um, I don't know, Matt LaFleur, or even Sean McVay for that matter. And it's like, yeah, but this is a more aggressive offense, and it's going to be awesome. And man, Bill Belichick was old, and Matt Le- or, <laughs> Sean McVay's young and innovative. It's like, yeah, and maybe that will work out. Maybe that is going to be awesome, but I don't think you understand how good Bill Belichick was and his game planning and his scheme 
and how important that was to the cohesion of this whole thing coming together. It's not just one thing where I want more sacks. It's about the whole picture coming together. I could not have been any happier that Vic Fangio was gone. I was begging and pleading for a team to please give him a chance as a head coach, not because I think it's the right thing to do. I don't think he's going to be a good head coach because he's a defensive coordinator, and it just, you know, I'm playing the odds here. But thank you to the Denver Broncos for making that mistake because now Vic Fangio is gone as the defensive coordinator. Because he, was, he, he, built, he built the best defense we've seen since the Legion of Boom, at least. And now he's gone. Thank you. Thank you, universe. Thank you, mystical football fairies, for all your dust and all that you've done for the world in general. But again, this is, this is another area where, and I feel like since I've started a Packers podcast, I've been become more of a football fan because of how much I've had to dive into teams and it's it's actually really exciting but as a football fan I'm just I just want to know I just want to know what's going to happen I want to watch it happen I want to see how this you know I, again you learn and grow by positing theories and watching to see if it works out because the NFL works a certain way in my mind and if I apply the way I think it's going to go to the NFL I'm going to lay out this is what I think is going to happen if it doesn't happen guess what there's something in there to be learned. So go figure out what it is, and then guess what? You're smarter now, and you can come up with new, better theories and, you know, be better at podcasts and stuff. But it excites me. I don't know. Is that weird? I like learning stuff. And this is an opportunity to learn stuff. I mean, I hope as a Packers fan they just completely collapse, and I'm correct, and it's even more dramatic than I thought. But even if it doesn't, it's it's still going to be like, oh, that's, that's kind of crazy. I'm going to have to look at that a little bit. But... The- but to close this out, the idea that Vic Fangio was holding back the Bears' defense, which had felt like was being said in that interview, that they were good but could have been better if there was a little bit more aggression, I can't buy into that theory. You're, you're not going to drag me there. Although, we'll see. Man, can you imagine if they got better? i just 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 going to quit. But anyways, Eric had one more uh, little comment here. He said, the ceiling of the Kirk Cousins Vikings isn't very high. I essentially said that, and and this is another area where I was correct. And and not only that, I was correct because of pro football focus. And that's what I've said in the past. If you want to know if something is, is a good metric, it should be able to in some way predict the future. You can apply that to a lot of different stuff, right? Just like I was just talking about with my theories and my current understanding of how things work. If it's good it should be able to predict what's going to happen, at least in some way. The NFL is volatile, crazy stuff happens all the time. But the more better information you have, the more you can kind of pick things out. And listen, everybody everywhere was freaking out. Packers, podcasters, and writers, and fans were freaking out. Oh, no, Kirk Cousins is so good. Vikings fans were freaking out. Woo, we got a new quarterback. And I'm sitting here going, dude, you guys dominated with the quarterback you had. Just 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 walk me through this for a second. You had a quarterback. Not a big name, not super popular, not seen as being very good, but he was dominant with your team. You're going to get rid of him. You're going to destroy your salary cap bringing in a new guy who has never actually been that good. Now, nobody believed that that was the case. Everybody's thought process was that Case Keenum is terrible and needs to go away 
and Kirk Cousins is a really, really good quarterback who's being held back by the, the Washington Redskins. And if we get rid of Case Keenum and bring in Kirk Cousins, this offense is going to be even better. Which, again, was just blowing my mind because as much as, is, yeah, we can look back at Case Keenum and say, okay, he hasn't been very good. But what I'm saying is he is playing really, really well for you. I'm, I'm watching a guy just carve up the Packers and carve up everybody with these great wide receivers. And there's a rhythm and there's a trust and everything is just working. And you're messing with that. Dude, just, just pay Case Keenum $18 million to be your starting quarterback, or, or, or not even. I mean, that, that's basically like what the Jaguars did with Foles, right? We're giving you basically garbage money, right? Any, any starting quarterback, any legit starting quarterback is getting silly money. $30 million is baseline. That's why when people freak out about Foles getting 20 is like, what are you talking about? Jimmy Garoppolo got like $32 million. He hardly played a snap. $30 million is automatic. If you're a starter... And you're the guy that we believe is going to take us to a Super Bowl. You get $30 million. Doesn't matter if you're good. Stafford, $30 million. Everybody, if you want a contract, boom, $30 million. Case Keenum maybe isn't a great quarterback, but for whatever reason, it's working. Give him a short-term... 18, 15, whatever it is, who cares? The bottom line is you're paying him way, way, way lower than everybody else who has a starting quarterback. You've got your guy. Again, just just a one-year deal, a two, what, whatever. You pay him $18 million. Do you know how much money you have freed up so that you can focus on maintaining that level of, of defensive dominance, which is the most important thing? But instead, we're going to allow the defense to erode. We're going to get rid of this quarterback that's just dominating right now, and we're going to go out and get an overpriced guy who's never been that good. The salary cap goes down the drain. The defense takes a giant step back. And guess what? The quarterback comes in, and he's not as good as our last quarterback. Now, you know, again, is Kirk Cousins better than Case Keenum? Just side-by-side comparison? Yes. But again, who cares? It's working. Leave it alone. I can't explain why it worked, but why do you need an explanation? That, that 2017 Vikings team was just unbelievable. But we got to get our guy... And for Vikings fans thinking, well, you know, he'll, he'll get better, you know, new scheme, new blah, blah, blah. Listen, he basically had as good a year as he's ever had last year. Let me just run through his PFF grades. From 2012 on, 80, 51, 58, hot garbage, right? Then in 2015, he becomes a starter. 71, 80, 70, 79. So in his four years starting, this was basically tied for his best year ever. The two, and by the way, it alternates every year. So if anything, watch out for a down year, right? 71, 80, 70, 79. The other not so great thing, he got worse as the year went on. Starting in week 11, he had one game in which he was very good, one game in which he was good. Everything else was below. Week 11 against Chicago, 58.6. Week, which, you know, oh, well, that's a great defense. What do you expect? Okay, week 12 against Green Bay's defense, 68.3. That's average. Against New England, 60.9. Against Seattle, 47.8. Miami, he had his very good game, 86. Detroit, good, his one good game. And then finish out the season with Chicago, 58.6. That was a terrible stretch. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he, the, the chemistry with the wide receivers will get better. Maybe the run game will start to get better. And it'll all complement to, to help out the offense in general. But I, I just, for the life of me, and I understand I'm alone in this, but since I'm somewhat vindicated in this, I'm going to go ahead and hammer it. 
you guys messed up. And everybody, including the Packers fans, including everybody, was wrong in saying that, oh no, they got Kirk Cousins, we're all in trouble. Why would you assume that? Everybody's focused on the name. Case Keenum to Kirk Cousins is an upgrade. Okay. But get rid of the name and focus on what Case Keenum did and say, has Kirk Cousins ever done anything like that? And the answer is no. Except instead of giving him the $18 million contract that the Denver Broncos offered, we're going to pay Kirk Cousins $26 million, this year $28 million, and then in 2020 we're going to pay him $30 million. Fully guaranteed, by the way. So even if we're deciding that this isn't working out, you can't cut him. It's fully guaranteed. He's getting all that money. So he's playing all three years. And yeah, you can put the Vikings down for a team that you can expect to be swinging at a quarterback in the 2020 draft. Kirk Cousins is, I mean, even if he plays well, he's 30 years old and his contract's running out. If you got an opportunity to get a stud, which I am concerned about, a stud in the draft that's young and basically free, now would be a real good time to do that, especially with your your contract situation being no so great. Get rid of Kirk. Finally, finally, let I mean I don't even know who you can because you sign everybody that should be gone by now to these long contracts. But if there's anybody left that you can actually get rid of, please get rid of them, and then start to rebuild this team. I mean I I, I hope you don't, but I'm just saying I, I don't I don't know what you guys are doing. Who who is your GM? You guys worse than Ryan Pace. And yeah, I think Ryan Pace is bad despite winning best GM of the universe. I think that was a joke as well. Bears haven't had a draft pick in three years. They don't have any money. They're not doing anything except going backwards. I shouldn't say that. If he had a stake in hiring Vic Fangio and Matt Nagy, which I'm sure he did, that was solid. Sometimes I just get a little fired up about stuff, and I overstate things. But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. Thanks to Kyler and Eric for supplying the content of this show. We'll be back again tomorrow, and hopefully if there ever is a supplemental draft, we'll have something to talk about there. Otherwise, enjoy your Wednesday. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.